Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 94. Today is going to be a fun one. I pick the brains of Joel Com, who is one of the funniest guys I know. And we talked about how he built his massive following online, how he became an influencer and an expert in multiple different markets. And um, it was a lot of fun and I think you'll enjoy it and I think you're going to take a lot out of it. I'm very excited for you to start the show. Let's go. Hey, fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? My company, getfeatured.com, will get you featured on targeted shows, will design you a custom bio page, pitch you to the host, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.com to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 94 of Can I Pick Your Brain Today, I am truly excited to be picking the brain of someone I have admired from a distance. No, not because he smells bad, but because I've just never had the opportunity to meet him in person. Joel Com is one of those guys that at first you think, hey, this guy's kind of funny. But then you look into what he has accomplished and you realize that beyond all the jokes is a highly accomplished individual. Joel has built multiple successful online companies, including worldvillage.com, which was one of the first 25,000 sites on the web, dealofday.com, familyfirst.com, and classicgames.com, which was acquired by Yahoo. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of 15 books and contributor to Forbes Inc., Entrepreneur and Social Media Examiner. His work has appeared in the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, among many others. Joel is today a hugely sought-after speaker, live video marketing expert, and the host of The Fun with Joel. Com podcast show. I like him so much that I actually put together a little rap to help introduce him. Here we go. He's a ton of fun but gets things done. Live video is just another home run. Starting out with barely a dime, now he's crushing it online. Facebook, Insta, Twitter and Snapchat, that's where he's at. He lost a lot of weight because he used to be fat. He's the author of 15 books and oh did I mention his good looks. Going live, it's how you thrive, it's the way to drive traffic to your social hive. In today's world, it's how we survive. He's been online since 95. But money is never enough, so do good stuff. There are people who have it rough. Now without further ado, I welcome to you the live marketing bomb the one and only Joel Com. Joel, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Oh my gosh, that was the best introduction yeah. ever in the history of all introductions that have ever been introduced. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, am, I am cracking up. That rap was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now you see why my intro is so important to me. Yeah, no, you put a lot of love and care into that. I hope I actually would love to take a cl that clip of the rap right there and, and uh, replay that on one of my shows. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to put some hip hop background music to it and I'll send you. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Well, that was pretty good, man. Wow. Multifaceted. By the way, Joel, are you any relation to Inter? Intercom? Mm. Yeah. 
Never heard that before. Yeah, you should is have my, bought. Is my middle name Dot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say you should have bought the domain Joel.com with two M's. Yeah. Well, I wish I could have. Uh, it's actually owned by a uh, guy named Joel Selmeyer who picked it up, uh, had the foresight to get it before I did. And uh, I, he and I have been in discussions over the years. And mm-hmm. He's told me if you ever did decide to sell that he would contact me. But, you know, I've used Joelcom.com for, oh gosh, since 2003 now. So mm-hmm. I think it'll stick. How much do you think he would sell it for? Too much. <laughs> I don't need it. I mean, that's the thing. How many people go online and just search for Joel, right? <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's, you know, if you search for Joel, I'll come up. Uh, Joel Osteen comes up. Billy Joel comes up. There's just not a lot of searching for Joel. So right. uh, I'm not worried about being found. Very cool. So I really want to take this opportunity to reverse engineer your ability to amass such an incredible following online. Uh, but before we do, what was little Joelcom like? Um, me only smaller. <laughs> Joel- you know, I, I've always been curious. Yeah. I've always been uh, one that marches to the beat of my own drummer. I was very much a um, nerd, you know, in junior high and high school because I was into computers when home computers were first coming out. In mm-hmm. fact, in high school, the first time I took a computer class, we were using COBOL punch cards and I hated it. Oh my gosh, did I hate it. And so I decided I never wanted to be a programmer. Mm-hmm. But um, that next year is when the TRS-80 came out from Radio Shack and I had to have one. Um, the age of 16, I had saved up enough money in 1980 to purchase one. And I remember my mom saying, what are you going to do with the computer? And of course, uh, she's very clear on what I'm going to do with it now. In fact, right. mom has her own website for a dozen years and gets way more views to her YouTube videos than I get to mine. Nah, so stop it. The what? question is no longer being asked. What's your mom's YouTube channel? It's Travels with Sheila. Travelswithsheila.com is her website. She mm-hmm. travels the world, has been on all seven continents, on too many countries to count, mm-hmm. and uh, 76 years old and still going. What? I think she is actually, at the time of our speaking today, I think she is in Madagascar to see the lemurs. No um, way. And her YouTube channel is Travels with Sheila. She's got something like 18 or 19 million views. It's crazy. Stop it. 19 million? Yeah. What? What did she do? How did she? She just shows people. She shows people the places she goes. She shows them the airlines, you know, the food they serve, what the uh, business class seats are like. She shows them airports. She shows them the sites and countries. And she edits her own videos. You know, she asked me a few years after starting her blog if she should buy a video camera. I said, Mom, do it ever you want to do. I think (laughs) videos would be great. And and she asked me about how to edit. um, And you know, she lives in a different state and she decided she was going to go to the Apple store and take an iMovie class. And now she does all her own stuff and she does a great job. So now I see where you get your entrepreneurship from. Yeah. Well, you know, she always had a J-O-B, but she always had an adventurous spirit. And, and I got my love for travel and, and zest for life um, from her. Cool. Tell us a little bit about iFart Mobile, because that's an interesting one. Like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's an app. Um, it makes your phone fart right. or your iOS or your Android device, and everybody should own it because it'll make you laugh. 
Why? Well, <laughs> like seriously, why? why will it make you laugh? Because <laughs> no, farts are funny. Um, sure. So I actually created the iFart mobile app back in 2008. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first year that Apple uh, invited developers to create applications for the App Store. And in December of 2008, it went to number one no. um, in the world. Stop not it. just you know in the whole App Store. It went to number one and number stayed one there in for the App Store. I found two days. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got so much media coverage, and uh, to this day. Um, you know, we're coming up on, what are we, let's see, 2000, this is nine, almost nine years, uh, eight and a half years that it's been out and, um, it still gets downloads and installs every day. It still gets written about in the media or a celebrity will end up using it and we'll see, you know, a story (laughs) pop up about it. It's just, it's the king of the novelty apps, I like to believe. And the funny thing is you actually got sued, right? By a competitor. <laughs> pull my finger. They, uh, right? uh, an app called Pull My Finger. <laughs> yep, that's a real thing. Um, said that we were the reason that they got knocked down the charts into oblivion, basically. No way. And they blamed it on the fact that our marketing linked the words Pull My Finger to our website, mm-hmm. which their Pull My Finger is not a trademark term. You can link it wherever you want to. And the fact is, that's not why. Um, they lost. They lost because we had a superior flatulence, digital flatulence product, <laughs> and better marketing and better storytelling. And uh, they ended up going away. And it was mm-hmm. um, it was it was a good thing. But I made press out of it. Uh, yeah. You know, when they sued us, I went to my attorney. I said, "Can I put out a press release and let's let's try to create a stink around this?" <laughs> and uh, I got a zillion of those, by the way. Uh, and, right. Didn't you get together? Release them well, all. Didn't you get together and clear the air? Oh, we did clear the air. We yeah. we well. What happened first is is um, they called us uh, and got scared. And um, when they saw we were serious, and we got a Colorado judge to a federal judge to issue a declaratory judgment, which is basically telling them go away. Um, you know that there's no money to be had here, and and we decided to settle by building an app together. And shortly after we had quietly settled, uh, we both got a call from John Stewart's Daily Show. And uh, they ended up doing a segment on the iFart versus Pull My Finger uh, lawsuit. And it was hilarious. That's brilliant. The reason I brought that up, by the way, is everything, I've noticed everything you do has has incredible humor behind it. In fact, um, when I was on Snapchat, I'm not on Snapchat anymore because, I don't know, there's just so many different live videos, which we'll get into that in a second. But when I used to watch you on Snapchat, I would just find myself laughing away, whether I was sitting on the toilet or whatever. We wanted to get into details of where I was. But um, I found you very funny. But the question I kept asking myself is, how is this guy making money? Right? I'm a businessman. I want to make money. Right? How do you monetize humor? Uh, well, I don't know that it's the, you know, in the case of the iFart app, it did well on its own. Uh, but I don't really sell humor. I bring value through the material that I teach, right? Through what I've learned that works in online marketing, uh, internet marketing, affiliate marketing, mm-hmm. blogging, podcasting, videos. I, I teach what I learn. Um, I inspire people because I show them that, hey, if, you know, this nerdy goofball, can do this, you can too. And then I just bring myself to the equation, which is, you know, forever young. I'm 53, but I'm actually 12 years old and I'm very playful and I like to have fun. And I bring myself 
to whatever it is I'm doing. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. And I don't really care because I'm just doing me. So mm. all of that has turned into successful monetization for me because apparently I've brought enough value that people have wanted to pay me for it. And, you know, what a blessing. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that's an issue that people have that they try to monetize everything? Like they, they when they're doing, you know, live videos or they're trying to, you know, do any whatever they're doing on social media it's always trying to you know get someone to buy something or to download mm-hmm. a book do you think that's an mm-hmm. issue that people are that's why people are not managing to really become successful online i think it's an issue well there's a few things at play here i think it's always an issue no matter what you're selling in any platform that people attempt to sell products before they bring value in the order of uh, creating a sale is like me know me trust me pay me in that order and the pay me is the last part of it mm-hmm. you have to build no like and trust with the, your audience and then it's a really short hop to a transaction but if you're just going out there in social and you're attempting to to, um, to sell something, then, you know, people are, we're jaded and we're, everybody wants to sell us something. And, you know, even the, the best thing since, you know, sliced bread, they want to sell us and it might be, but since everybody has the best thing since sliced bread, uh, just, you know, just give me a loaf of bread again. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, and I think the other thing at play is people are looking at others who are successful and saying, well, what works? What worked mm-hmm. for them? I want to do that. Uh, and I think duplication is, you know, there's some things that we can duplicate, but being original, do something that nobody else has done before. If I look at my track record of the things that have succeeded, none of them have been from duplicating what somebody else has done. They've all been originals. And that's what helps you to stand out. Uh, and that's what's scary about entrepreneurship, about being self-employed, because you have to be willing to take risks, to do something that nobody's done, to go down a road that needs to be you know, paved. Uh, it, it's a dirt road often, and mm-hmm. it's bumpy, and there's full of you know, potholes, and you don't know what's going to happen. But as long as you are enjoying the ride and passionate about what you're doing, then do that thing that scares you the most. And I think that's where you're likely to have the most success. Cool. And and let's like go back to what you were saying about knowing, liking and trusting. So can we break that down for a second? How do you break it down? Break it down, baby. So how do you get people to know you and then like you and then trust you? Like break that down for for our audience. Well, let's what? let's bring it to the digital realm, okay? Yeah. Let's talk about a social site, for example, Twitter, which mm-hmm. I think is a, a great microcosm of how oh. this whole four-step process to selling more of anything works. When we like somebody, what do we do on Twitter? We follow them. Mm-hmm. Follow says, okay, I'm going to include you in my feed and allow your tweets to be seen by me. That's a way of saying I like you. Mm-hmm. Now, if I stop and I see what you're tweeting, um, this is how I get to know you, right? And I can determine as I know you if you're bringing value to the conversation through your tweets. Are you just selling or are you inspiring? Are you educating me? Are you retweeting others and being generous? Are you engaging and interacting with others and uh, you know actually caring about people? If you've passed that test, then I can begin to trust you that what you that you are an authority in what you talk about that you're a good person that you're a funny person that you're a caring person whatever it is the uh, area that that trust would be built 
I now, I like you, I know you, and I trust you. And if I'm looking for somebody to provide a product or service and you are in the arena that mm-hmm. I'm looking for, you, you have a much better chance of getting my business than somebody who I don't follow, who I don't know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And it, what it takes is being authentic, is really seeking to bring value first and foremost. You know, it, it, this podcast is a perfect example, Daniel. Yeah. Um, no, nobody's paying me to do this. You didn't offer, I didn't ask. And, and I'm great with that, by mm-hmm. the way. I think that's fine. This is all about bringing I'm value. I'm sending you an invoice after, after the show. I actually charge my guests to come on here. So I'll oh, actually be, se- I'll be sending you an invoice afterwards. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Um, I will send you a .0001 Bitcoin in order to, uh, to pay for that. Um, you know, we do it because there's an opportunity to reach an, an audience. And, you know, what I want the opportunity to do and, and gratefully accept is to speak to people who might not be familiar with me or to speak to those who are familiar but encourage them in a way that they haven't been before. Uh, you know, I think that's really what I do more than anything is I like to inspire people to take that next step in their entrepreneurial journey or in their life and go do that thing that they're super passionate about. And I believe I'm the perfect example. I mean, I was the, you know, the, the teenage pimply face, uh, you know, greasy, black haired, nerdy kid, you know, didn't have a date until I was what, 19 years old. And, um, if I can somehow, (laughs) some people think I'm cool. I, they're, they're deceived, but if somehow I can become the cool kid, you know, then there's hope for everybody. Come on. That's so interesting because you, you essentially, you went from building successful businesses to then becoming a writer and a speaker and a presenter. Why? Like, I guess why the change? Why suddenly, why did you shift? What was, what was the impetus? It's what, it's what showed up in my life. It's, you know, Look, I'm not one of those that believes in long-term planning. Uh, life has a way of throwing so many curveballs at you. And, you know, the saying, the best laid plans go awry. There's another, pro- you know, uh, a human proverb that uh, man plans, God laughs. Yep. You know, it, things just rarely go as we intend them to. And I've discovered that flying by the seat of my pants, which is really taking things as they come and keeping my goals short term, is what has opened me up to so many different opportunities. And mm-hmm. so the transition from a, um, a, a website creator and proprietor that was making money behind the scenes from 1995 to 2005, the shift happened when I discovered how to make money with Google AdSense. Mm-hmm. And I was the first guy to put out an ebook that uh, that discussed this. And, uh, you know, I saw an opportunity to serve people and maybe make some money. And, and it turns out both happened. And I became the go to guy for teaching people how to make money with Google. I was writing about it before Google you know, was <laughs> putting stuff out there, teaching their own people uh-huh. how to do it. And that led to a traditionally published book. And it led to all kinds of speaking engagements. And then, uh, you know, I decided I really liked speaking. I really liked making money from information products. And, and I was going to do some other creative things. And, um, you know, then social media came along and I got, was curious about it and I got involved in both Twitter and Facebook in 2006. 
2007. And before you know it, I'm writing a book on Twitter because mm-hmm. a publishing house asked me to. It's not that I necessarily had the foresight for any of these things. It's that they showed up on my radar and I was curious and I wanted to play. You know, I'm like a a kid with a pail and a shovel looking for a sandbox (laughs) to mess around in. And sometimes I end up building a little castle in there. Other times I'm just left with a pile of of sand. You know, (laughs) we don't talk a lot about the times where things don't work, but Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of those uh, stories to tell. And I'm not ashamed of them because that is the path to success is to try and try and try and fail quite a bit and you're you know you're kind of swinging for the fences looking for that home run boy i'm just full of metaphors today aren't i, I? love Sandboxes, it I love baseball it. Like, <laughs> what else we got do you know what though what really really impresses me so much about you is that you seem my and, hair and it's my hair your right? hair for sure the hair i yeah, i want hair like I, that i'm fond of it too <laughs> you know it's turning really gray at salt and peppery now and and people make Salt comments about it. pepper is in right now. I don't know if you know. Yeah, well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, it can turn any color it wants as long as it doesn't turn loose. <laughs> so I'm really glad you, you mentioned the fact that you have had failures in your life because if you look at your resume, it's like, whoa, this guy is hot. I mean, every single thing that comes out, he becomes the expert on. You've got 15 books and every one of them is like pretty much the expert advice on AdSense, the expert advice on Twitter, the expert advice on Facebook, now live. Like, how are you jumping on all, like, I guess, number one, I want to know, how do you become an expert? Because, you know, people listening to this, whatever market that they're in, whatever they're doing, they want to become the influencer in their space. Like, they want to become the the expert. Like, influencer is now the big buzzword because once you're an influencer, people are coming to you. You don't even have to do any more lead gen. You don't have to do marketing because people are coming to you because you're the expert and you've done that really, really well. How do you do that? Uh, You do it by being a practitioner. I don't think that I've necessarily set out to become an expert in any of these areas. Uh, I didn't set out to become a website expert. I just built websites. I didn't set out to become the Google AdSense, you know, guru. I used AdSense, I cracked the code, and then I wrote a book, and then people wanted to know how. I didn't set out to become a social media expert, whatever that is, anyhow. (laughs) I started using social, and I was social, and I discovered how social worked for me and for others. And, mm-hmm. and as a result, I'm now working with big corporations and speaking in front of large audiences and doing keynotes because I've been a practitioner. Same thing with live video. I've been doing live video since 2008. But what? since the second wave, yeah, back in 2008, I was wow. doing a show on Ustream.tv from my office, uh, Joelcom Live. Every Wednesday, we would wow. do a live show from my office. But it really hit with the second wave when Meerkat and Periscope hit mm-hmm. in March of 2015. And I just, I love the technology and I was all over it. Well, here we are more than two years later. And, uh, you know, I've got a book coming out called the live video revolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Stelzner at socialmediaexaminer.com says that I'm the leading voice in live video. Well, I didn't try to do that. That's just what happened by being a practitioner. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I can tell somebody, here's how you become an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're going to be recognized as an expert or not, but the more you do it, uh, the more it is that you invest in whatever it is you're interested in, the more likely that people are going to come to you and say, how did you do that? Mm. 
You know what's interesting is that there's so many fakers out there online that are like, oh, I'm a coach or I'm an expert, I'm a guru, I'm a this, I'm a that. And you've done diddly squat. Like, what, why, do you, why do you think you can call yourself an expert? And that's the problem is that everybody thinks they're an expert. And I just love what you're saying about how if you're a practitioner, then you become an expert. But here's the thing. You don't need to call yourself an expert. Everybody else will do it for you. Um, There's right? always pretenders, Daniel, always. <laughs> they're the people that put, that put out a press release that gets distributed to all the major news media and then create a profile picture for themselves that says, as seen on you know, right. CNN, MNS, NBC, NBC, ABC. Right? It, it's, it's the poser syndrome. It's, I don't really have the credibility, so I'm going to buy it and give the appearance that I'm credible. Well, it's mm. one of my pet peeves, by the way. If if uh, I, I accept a lot of friend requests on LinkedIn, I've got about 21,000 contacts. But if I see one of two things on LinkedIn, if there's no profile picture, I won't accept your request yeah. because you've just removed the social from social media. <laughs> or if there's a logo instead of your photo, I won't accept it. Right. Um, and I guess three things. And the third thing is if I see your profile picture with all these logos on there, you're pretending. Um, just be real. Interesting. You know, uh, don't buy credibility. Be credible. I love it. Love it. And you mentioned <clears throat> Miracat and Periscope, which, I mean, both of them are pretty much nowhere and you also mentioned a couple of others which i i'm not familiar with um, that, that's not true i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you okay. um, meerkat is gone but periscope is still very much alive and really? when i go live i still get uh because it is integrated with twitter now right mm -hmm. so there's a yeah. periscope app but within twitter you can go live and that's basically periscope and okay. um uh twitter's investing quite a bit of money in uh live video and i wouldn't count them out yet okay but in terms of the fact that, you know, because there's so many new apps and, and uh, platforms that come out, how do you know which platform to really invest in? Because, I mean, can you imagine if you would have put all of your time? Let's take Snapchat. Okay. Snapchat is right now um, potentially going to be buried by Insta Stories and Facebook Live, right? They're, they're severely challenged. They are, they are, but right. they're holding their own, and I'm actually rooting for Snapchat because I don't want Mark Zuckerberg to own everything. <laughs> um, and Snapchat does have a a loyal, faithful audience, and they are innovating faster and iterating faster than Instagram is. So, uh, but you know, if you had put all your eggs, like say in Vine, oh, yes, there's one because Vine is actually gone. So people became Vine superstars, and then now they closed nobody. over. Mm -hmm. And you, but here's the thing: if you've built a following somewhere, then um, you can spread that around, right? You can get them to follow you on other platforms as well. And this is why I think it's essential that, above all else, you have your own website, whatever mm -hmm. domain that is, and that you are building your own email list that you own, because otherwise, you are building on rented land. Uh, but there, there was a question that you started with about which platform. Yeah. And if I was going to recommend a platform to be on um, carte blanche for anybody, it's got to be Facebook yeah. because there's two billion people there mm -hmm. and because their ad targeting system is superior to everything else. However, that in itself, there could be reasons that you don't want to be on Facebook. And so what I tell people is go where you have fun. 
And it might be Snapchat. It might be Instagram stories. It might be Periscope or Twitter Live. But go where you're engaged and where others are engaging with you. Find your audience or Mm -hmm. let your audience find you. Um, But you'll know there's some people that don't do anything but Instagram. That's it. And that's where their home is. And that's fine. Uh, You have to go where you are uh, engaged with and engaging. Are you doing Insta stories, Facebook lives and Snapchat? Like yes, all three? But not, but not all regularly. So, so, so let's say you're, I don't know, walking down the street and you suddenly have like a really good idea you want to share. <laughs> which, <laughs> which channel do you pick? Like how do you know, you know, oh, there's a funny uh, situation. Let me video it. Oh, wait, should I put it on Facebook live? Should I do an Insta story? Should I do a Snapchat? Like which one do you do? Yeah, so it really depends upon what I'm seeing. If I'm Context. looking at something that I feel like, okay, I can tell the story in little snippets, then I will uh, often Snapchat it. And if it's really good, I'll also Instagram story it and just tell the story again two different ways. But if it's something that's going to persist, hey, I want to show somebody an experience, a place I'm at, or who I'm with, and we're going to talk for 10, 15, 30 minutes, then I'm going to go live. Um, mm-hmm. Totally different formats depending upon what it is I'm trying to accomplish. And how, I mean, how doing these live videos, I mean, it takes time and you've got to invest in you know, into doing them. Um, how does it help to gain more clients and scale your business as an entrepreneur? People listening to this that want to grow their business, how does live video help them do that? Well, you're building an audience, right? Every time you're you're going live, you have an opportunity to bring content and, and value to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you do that, you create new fans that might come back for the next one, or who will go subscribe to you know to get a copy of your your free um, ebook, or go subscribe or listen, download to you know your podcast. It's every time I go live, I don't look at going live as monetization. I look at going live as putting myself out there and bringing value. That's, that is it. I do it because I love it. And because I love it, I believe I'm good at it. And because I'm good at it, people come back for more. So when I go live, they get notified and people show up. Um, and sometimes at the weirdest moments too, you know, yesterday I got a, um, a phone call, one of those scam robocalls from the (laughs) so-called IRS. I saw that. (laughs) And I thought, you know what, I'm going to troll them back. And I went live on Facebook spontaneously. And I had more people watching that call concurrently than I have on some of the interviews that I schedule a week in advance Hmm. uh, because it sounded fun and it was interesting. And there's no monetization, but there is branding. And, you know, the way you introduced me, uh, I'm I'm not blowing smoke here. your introduction of me made me sound so much better than I'll ever see myself. <laughs> but the fact that somebody else sees me that way um, right. tells me that the branding is working. Mm-hmm. I'm just, look, I'm a regular guy, right? Yep. I'm a guy sitting, I, I used to have a bunch of employees, uh, went through some incredible success and then some brilliant downturns in business and in my personal life. I let go of everybody. I'm now a solopreneur working at home, making less than I used to make, but enjoying life way more. And, uh, but I'm just a regular guy doing this. And I think the, the core reason for the success is my willingness to take risks and just doing me. What was your lowest point now that you brought it up? 
Um, lowest point would have been in 2010. Um, my wife left me right. and my business was falling apart because of a huge downturn in the economy and some really poor hires and business decisions on my part. And uh, I took a sabbatical. I've been public about this. I shared, I did a, a TED talk in Denver um, at the Ellie Calkins Opera House a couple of years ago. And, mm-hmm. and it was a very transparent talk um, designed to be transparent so that it would encourage others to take down the wall and become more real and more honest with who they are, with those close to them and with those in the social space, how authenticity wins. And uh, I went through a period of uh, deep, deep brokenness and soul searching and rebuilding physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, I took a two-year semi-sabbatical where I kind of went off the radar for uh, 2011 to 2013, wasn't writing books, wasn't speaking. I was just working on myself and, and, uh, my relationships and becoming healthy again. And it was, it was transformative. I would never wish the type of, uh, pain that I went through on anybody ever, but I wouldn't trade, uh, what I experienced for anything because it totally revolutionized me from the inside out. Wow. That's incredible. What would you say to someone listening to this right now who is thinking to themselves, I'm really inspired and I really want to do this, but I just I just can't get on that live freaking video. I'm just petrified. I just want to crap my pants every time I want to click that live button. And it's like three, two, ah, crap. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about somebody who wants to go live but is scared to, right? Because there's, there's those that feel like, well, everybody's saying I should go live, but I really don't want to. Well, then Mm. don't if you don't want to. Don't. There's other things to do. Don't let anybody should on you (laughs) and tell you what you should do. Now, if you want to and you're afraid to, um, what I'm going to say might feel like a little slap, okay? (laughs) But here it comes. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It's not. Those are your fears. If you are feeling compelled to share content, regardless of the platform, whether it's live video, um, podcasting, blogging, speaking, whatever it is, if you have content to share and you are inwardly focusing on your fears, then guess what? You're doing a disservice to those who will receive value from you sharing that content. You are here for a reason. I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, everybody is created by God with unique passions, talents. We develop these skills. We've got our unique personality. We, we find these abilities we have. And all of these mixed together give us an opportunity to touch other people's lives in a way that nobody else can. And so if you are letting your fears get in the way of touching another person's life, whether it is to equip them with knowledge, whether it is to inspire them to do or be something more, or whether it is to entertain them and make them laugh or cry or whatever, if you're designed to bring that value and you're holding back on them because of your own fears, then you're making it about you and it's not about you. So get over yourself and just do it. Love it. Wow. You, you also created a hashtag, which is do good stuff. Yeah, I do did. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> I used to sign my emails, uh, you know, to your success, right? That's the way everybody, you mm, sign yeah. your emails in business to your success. To your success. And I'm like, that's so 
cheesy. And I just <laughs> like what what else can I sign my emails with? And I'd like, you know, I just want to encourage people to make a difference. Just go out there and do good stuff. So I would just sign my emails, do good stuff. <laughs> um, and I did it, you know, probably going on 10 years or so now. But a couple of years ago, I noticed that a couple of my friends in the social space had hashtags. Brian Kramer had H to H for human to human. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Rubin had R on R for return on relationship. And I had hashtag envy. And I'm like, I want a hashtag. What's my hashtag? <laughs> and, I, and one day I was signing an email and I realized, oh my gosh, I've been signing my emails, do good stuff. This is the message I've been encouraging people to do because I believe when you put good out there without expecting something in return all the time, that mm-hmm. good comes back to you, right? It's some people call it karma. Others, you know, would refer to the law of sowing and reaping. You put seed out there and, and a certain amount of it's going to die and some of it's going to get watered and, and bring forth, you know, a harvest. So if you do good, good will come back to you. And um, I decided to hashtag do good stuff. And I already, I had registered the domain name dogoodstuff.com years earlier. And uh, I've got a registered trademark on it now. And we have do good nice. stuff t-shirts that we sell on Amazon and stickers and, and uh, blank journals with do good stuff on the front. And it's, uh, it's kind of a movement. When someone sees that message, what, what do you want, uh, what do you want them to do? What do you mean by do good, good stuff? Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want him to do good stuff. Just, that's that's it. It. What's good to you? What does good mean? Good mm. good might mean, you know, uh, helping somebody less fortunate than you. Good might mean making somebody laugh. Good might mean picking up after your own mess in your life. Good might mean being responsible, being a good parent. Good might mean uh, creating a product or a service that brings value to other people in some right. way. It's just, just choose to do good in the world and and do it in such a way that it is its own compensation mm-hmm. right you don't always need uh, the applause of men do things that nobody else has to see you doing that's good i believe god sees that mm-hmm. right i mean we you don't you don't always need recognition um, I, because I think then you're, you kind of received the best award you're going to get. If somebody gives you a plaque, um, it might feel good for a moment, but then it goes on the shelf and that's as good as it gets. But if you do something for somebody else and nobody else knows about it, I think that reward, um, lives forever because you're not looking for applause. So just what do I want you to do? Good stuff. Love it. You know, I was going to ask you a question and I decided not to because I think you've answered it throughout. My question was going to be, is there a science to live video? Like, is there some formula to creating a great live video? And Science! Correct me if I'm wrong here, Joel. Everything you've said so far, there's an underlying theme. And the theme is, is that you mentioned that you don't plan ahead too much like you don't overly analyze what's going to happen you just play the game you're the kid with the sandbox right you just have your bucket and spade and hey listen sometimes you build a castle sometimes it's just a pile of sand and you just show up you play the game but you do it consistently you don't think too much about what other people think of you you just do it because you want to have a good time you want to create value for others because you believe that that's what you're here to do And it's because of that, it's your rawness, it's your authenticity that people crave. Because we live in a world that's so freaking fake with Mm -hmm. hashtag, with all this crap, with filters and 
social profiles and people trying to pretend to be somebody that they're not. And what's worked for you is you're just like, hey, I'm Joel. This is what I do. If you don't like it, screw you. But if you do, then, you know, I'm here and I'm going to give the value. And what's incredible is the the hashtag um, do good stuff that just came about. That wasn't like you didn't think about how do I monetize this? How do I get something out of this? You know, the uh, the video that you said that you did yesterday with the IRS, that wasn't planned. You didn't plan that a week ahead. And yet you got more viewers on that than any other pre-planned video. And so really, to answer my own question, there is no science. It's just be real. And if you be real, then good things will happen. And it's exactly the same what you were saying before about people who put CNBC, CNN, Fox News, and people buy press so they could put it on their logo, they could put it on their bio. And you're so right. Like, ultimately, people see through that, right? We, we, we see through all that crap. Well, most do. I mean, there's still people that, you know, that buy snake oil. Um, that's why people still sell it. It, there are there are those who buy into the whole easy money routine and mm-hmm. uh, get rich quick. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are overnight success stories. It does happen, but it's it's very rare um, that it happens that way. You know, you gotta you gotta pay your dues. You gotta do your time and um, become the expert. But yeah, I think you summed it up pretty good. And just just show up and just do you. Uh, maybe part of it is, is age and experience. You know, I think that when we are younger, um, we want to build our kingdom, right? And, Mm -hmm. and we are led to believe that these silly commercials and these videos we see of guys in their rented mansions with their rented (laughs) Lamborghinis that are probably now paid for by people who bought into that. Wait, they're rented? Um, Stop You know, surrounded by beautiful people that that's the lifestyle that everybody wants to have. And I got to tell you, after having made a lot of money and having lost a lot of money, and once you know how to make money, um, then it's no longer your focus. It's no longer about kingdom building. It's about legacy building. Mm. Um, You realize the foolishness of acquiring material possessions. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of money, okay? I, I think that having is better than not having. Um, I would rather, ha- you know, have an abundance than be at a lack, okay? But I think when we get, when we focus on a mentality of materialism that somehow this is going to solve our problems, it'll pay your bills. That's the only problem it'll solve. Other than that, money brings all kinds of new problems, problems that affect your relationships, those that are closest to you and those that want to be close to you. Um, Money can be a blessing or a curse. And really the fortitude and strength of an individual is going to determine how that money impacts their lives. Um, But taking, uh, when you stop kingdom building, you realize that what you have already is your kingdom. Um, then you can make a difference from that place of power and of authority. And while I've no doubt that I have, you know, other successes coming my way, I'm not in, I'm not pursuing them the way I did when I was a younger man, because you really do have to carpe all the DMS. I, I had a dear friend, <laughs> um, just a couple years older than me, suddenly, um, unreasonably without any explanation, um, that, you know, we can fathom passed away 
just about 10 days ago and, and I've oh my been to the funeral and I've cried the tears and I've, you know, uh, asked why and, and saying it's not fair. And this is a man oh. who lived life to the fullest and poured himself out for others, um, was never about the accumulation of wealth. And you never know when it's your time. Uh, and I doubt anybody's going to look back. You know, if you were on your deathbed and you had a moment, if you knew you were going to die and you had that moment to think, I doubt you're going to be thinking, boy, I could have made more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. No, very powerful stuff. Ah, there's a bunch of people on this uh, listening that will probably want to connect with you, Joel. If they, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people know you already, but uh, for those that don't, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, I'm the only Joel Com to my knowledge. So Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, my blog, joelcom.com. Uh, you can go there. I do have a, um, a newsletter and you can sign up for a couple freebies there that are my gift. Uh, but really anywhere, any of the places, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Wow. Amazing. Well, this show has been filled with good stuff. Joel, thanks so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.